Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 72. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. And if you have been listening, thank you so much for coming on back. Thank you everyone for just all the love and support you give the show. I love hearing from you guys every week, getting your messages and seeing your reviews finally hit 100 reviews on Apple Podcast. Wow, that is so exciting. Something I've been wanting for a long time. So I just appreciate so much everyone who took a moment to leave a rating and review. It really means the world to me. And we hit 100, but let's just keep it going. (laughs) So if you have been enjoying the podcast, I would so appreciate if you would take a minute to leave a review it really does help other people to find the show. Uh, And today, I'm so excited about today's episode. My guest is Katie. She is a fellow autism mom. And the really cool thing about Katie is that her and I had connected several months back with her just as a listener. She had just reached out to me and told me that she you know, was enjoying the show so much. And she just became someone that I really kept in touch with and we were just, you know, exchanging messages back and forth and talking about, you know, good, bad, all that stuff. So it was, you know, after a few months of that, I was like, you know what, you need to be a guest on the podcast. So it was really nice to be able to just like sit down and, and really get to chat in depth with her. And I know you guys will love listening to this episode. Katie is just very sincere and heartfelt. And she has a really interesting journey that she shares today. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Katie. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on the pod. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. So Katie's been in correspondence for like a a really long time now, I feel like. I I can't remember the last time or like when was it you actually had reached out to me, but Katie is a listener of the podcast and just so sweet and kind. And we were just talking about our kids and everything going on. And it was, yeah, so it was just a little more recently that we were like, all right, I think you need to come on the pod. So (laughs) I'm so happy to have you and I'm excited to talk to you because obviously I know a lot about your story, but I'm excited to kind of hear the details from you. So if you will kind of take us back to the beginning of your autism journey, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'd love to love to share about Jamie and um, kind of where we got, where we got to where we are now. Um. Jamie is three and a half, um, and he is the most beautiful kid ever. So fun, very intelligent, um, and just quirky as all get out. And (laughs) we, we just adore, you know, adore it. Um, but, uh, Jamie was, um, born, uh, at term. Um, he was 38 weeks uh, when he was born uh, via emergency C-section. Um, 
he was uh, a little bit growth restricted. So they decided that they needed to induce labor and that didn't really work out well. So they delivered via C-section and I didn't really know till later on how close we came to a NICU stay with Jamie, but um, he was born and he was bigger than they expected. Um, he was still like five pounds, but uh, doing well, breathing on his own. And um, we were just, you know, so happy um, that he was doing so well. And then um, throughout his first year, he basically hit milestones uh, on time or ahead of time. Um, he there was one time he went to daycare for like three months before I um, decided that I would stay home with him. But one uh, like of his daycare nursery teachers kind of mentioned that he wasn't reaching for objects. Um, and but then like a week later, he started reaching for objects after I worked with him on it a little bit. So we didn't really worry about it. Um, and then, um, yeah, for all of his first year, he was pretty typical. Um, and then through his second year, we didn't notice, um, red flags necessarily. We just noticed that he was extremely smart. Um, and he was very verbal at the time. We didn't realize how much of it was really like echolalic, um, rather than spontaneous. Um, and now that I have a daughter, um, who is largely typical developing, typically developing. Um, I, I obviously see things that were different earlier on. Um, but at the time we really didn't have any concerns. Um, he, um, but he did like know his alphabet, um, by like 18 months and, um, just had these amazing kind of skills developing. Um, there was one time that was like really crazy. We were on an airplane and my mother-in-law was reading Jamie like the drink menu just to try to occupy him. Mm -hmm. um, so she read him all of the sodas and juices and everything. And then she kind of would ask him um, where various drinks were and he would point to the right symbol because um, mm -hmm. she had pointed to it when she described it. So he... Um, like mastered 30 drinks just from her naming them. Um, so he oh. had these like crazy skills. Mm -hmm. um, and previously I was a teacher. Um, so as he started to develop these skills, I knew it was, they were things that my first graders weren't doing. Um, so I was so excited and impressed. And initially we just wrote it off as like, maybe he is gifted. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then um, when Jamie was almost two, I had my little girl. Um, and I think that we have some similar experiences in that um, she and Layla both went to the NICU. Um, For anyone Jamie, not familiar, like this is their first show or yeah. new to it. Layla's my my youngest. Um, she's one and a half. And yeah, she, she was in the NICU when, when she was born, she was about three weeks early. Um, so I know you and I have, have talked about that cause Annie was in the NICU also. Yes. And they are almost the same age. Annie is, yeah. uh, 20 months. Um, and yeah, she, 
she was a little like a month early um, and nobody really expected her to struggle the way she did, but she was in the NICU for um, a couple of weeks. And then um, they, we were kind of told that everything was okay and sent home. Uh, she actually delivered in St. Louis. Uh, we live in Kansas city. So that was a huge, that was a big life event of us, including Jamie, because suddenly he was living at my parents' house, mm-hmm. um, and mommy was gone in the NICU, you know, um, because I basically stayed there the whole time mm-hmm. for those weeks. Um, and it was like a little bit after that that we started to see some red flags emerge with Jamie. Um, he was starting to lose speech and was um, losing all kind of spontaneous speech, and he got to the point where he was only quoting. Daniel Tiger, because mm. Daniel's basically part of our family. Um, I, yeah, if you're going to quote anything, Daniel Tiger is a good thing to quote. I agree. I agree. We <laughs> so initially Daniel we Tiger songs all day long. Around. All the time. <laughs> yes. Same. We thought he was like generalizing. I was so excited. <laughs> um, but um, I was at that point home with him and just saw that he was um, really losing all of his spontaneous speech. He wasn't holding back and forth conversations. You really had to know what kind of TV shows he had been watching. So you could follow any kind of Mm. um, conversation he was trying to uh, have with you because he wasn't responding to you in any way. He was really just spouting memorized, um, memorized. Especially for you as a teacher, like were your alarm bells going off or were you thinking like, we have a new baby. There's a lot of change going on. Like, what were you thinking at this point? Yeah. So my alarm bells were going off. And I think at that point, um, I don't know if you can relate to this, but leaving with Annie, um, I was kind of in a, like a heightened state Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was very observant of everything because it just hadn't been a normal thing. So with Annie, I was very observant. And then with Jamie, I was very observant. Mm -hmm. Um, but Yes, I was concerned. And then there was one day that I remember in particular where he had just gotten new alphabet magnets um, and he he's um, definitely hyperlexic um, and he just loves letters and numbers and reading. Mm-hmm. And um, he it was probably like an hour and a half where he just was like hyper focusing on the letters and I could not pull him out of that um state Mm -hmm. Uh, I couldn't redirect him at all it was all about the letters and we had to do it exactly the same way and I needed to follow his rhythm with all of it um and I that rigidity kind of um that was the first sign of the rigidity but it emerged quickly and Jamie just really started to regress and at that point it kind of was like is this a sibling regression or is this something more um So I kind of made a list of the things that I was concerned about um, and my husband and I talked it over and then I sent it to our pediatrician Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of was like, I need you to help me reason out what is this being him being two and what if this is um, like maybe he's having some sleep issues because of his tonsils Mm -hmm. um, because he had had experienced like enlarged tonsils um that emerged like around the same time 
mm-hmm. um, that these concerns were emerging. Uh, and then what might be cause for greater concern. Um, and then I send it to her about a week before we had an appointment scheduled for him. Um, and at the time I didn't even like when I booked the appointment, I, I knew I was going to talk to them about whether he might have autism, Mm -hmm. but I could not bring myself yet to tell the nurse that that was what I was coming for. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, I needed to follow up on his tonsils or something, but, Mm -hmm. um, so I sat down with our pediatrician who I have a really great relationship with. Annie's had some significant medical issues. So we spend a lot of time there. Um, and she sat down with me and after listening to so many of the other episodes, I am so grateful that she was on top of it. Um, because I know so many people are brushed off by their pediatrician initially. Um, But our pediatrician was amazing, and she said that she wasn't quite sure, but she definitely felt like this was beyond the scope of regular um, toddler struggles, and that um, with, to the extent that he's demonstrating these behaviors, she thought that the best, you know, plan would be for him to start therapy right away with some OT and get tested for speech, and that Um, we would automatically be referred to um, a developmental pediatrician uh, at two different hospitals. And we would see which one we got into first Mm -hmm. and move forward with that. Um, So it took, um, we start, we were able to start OT right away. And then um, they recommended a speech consult. Um, So initially we started with just two days of OT and one day of speech um, and we waited about three months to get into the developmental pediatrician. Um, and when we, uh, initially, when he initially was evaluated for OT, um, they were, can, they were initially thinking that, um, Jamie like experienced very severe autism. He, Um, has tremendous anxiety and it definitely impacts him in new situations or unfamiliar places. Um, So he was, they were not able to engage him at all um, in that first consult. Um, But I knew that that wasn't, you know, um, demonstrating where he was typically at. Um, So I know that (laughs) his OT is the same amazing woman (laughs) that screened him that day. Um, And she um, she definitely thought that I was like, like had wool over my eyes, you know, she yeah. thought I was very unaware of what was going on with my son. Um, and she was recommending like four days of OT, uh, to really get into it. And she wanted to make some other referrals. Um, but when we went back for his first regular visit, it was a totally different experience because, he was more familiar with the space. He had met her before um, and she was able to get a better picture of where he was really at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in that three months leading up to um, his actual evaluation, we um, kind of oscillated back and forth. Uh, and that is kind of the same thing that other people have spoken to where the therapists are like, well, I, I actually, I don't think he has it. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is just sensory processing disorder and maybe he's gifted, you know, I don't think he has it. Um, 
So at the point that we actually went into the evaluation, I was not thinking that he was going to be diagnosed. Um, I had um, really bought into these ideas that were being shared with me. The one caveat to that is that the speech therapist that was working with Jamie did think that he would be diagnosed. Um, And I kept asking these leading questions and I was like, well, you know, his OT really doesn't think he has it and stuff. Um, But Jamie has, um, he is very verbal um, and is improving every day, but um, especially, um, he's just getting to the point that he's really conversational um, and not really quite even there yet. Um, But he, um, his echolalia was just so strong. Um, And so the speech therapist shared with me that um, it would be very um, kind of um, peculiar for an individual not on the spectrum to demonstrate that high level of echolalia. And I, I kind of knew she thought so, but um, I wasn't even quite sure I liked her, <laughs> you know, mostly because she wasn't giving me the answers that I wanted to hear. Um, but <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, you hang on to like any of those, like, well, maybe it's not. Yes. And, yeah. People that are like holding up the mirror to show you the truth. Like you're like, no, 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 no. Put the mirror down. Like, yes, you don't have to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally are you that. really even the right person to work with my son? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. we went into the evaluation and um, they did. I, I feel like what they saw that day was very typical for Jamie. Um, so I was really happy that they got a good picture of where he's at now. Yeah. That's where he was at. Yeah. At really cool. mm-hmm. um, but uh, I was also thankful they did it in two sessions, which I think is similar to how um, Logan's recent evaluation went um, mm-hmm. where they did the evaluation and then you went back for like a parent debrief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thankful that they didn't really make me wait until the second appointment uh, to give me an idea of what was coming. Um, so in the context of his evaluation, um, I was just so optimistic and very upbeat about all the progress he's made and everything. And um, the clinical psychologist uh, that we had a team a four-person team. It was a clinical psychologist, a developmental pediatrician, an occupational therapist, and a speech therapist. Um, so I was really excited that it was so thorough um, of an evaluation. I felt like they really looked at all aspects of Jamie. Um, mm-hmm. But the clinical psychologist kind of looked at me and said that she was also very excited about the progress that Jamie was making, but that she knew what happens when she lets people leave in this situation and that we would be back in two years. Um, and, uh, I'm at the time I didn't realize what a gift the diagnosis was. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I didn't appreciate it. Um, but recently I wrote a thank you letter to her. I know she's going to be retiring soon and, 
um, you know, the world just opens up. I think, I think somebody else mentioned that on an episode, uh, that, and that really stuck with me. Cause I think once you officially have the autism diagnosis and you figure out how to navigate all the channels, there are so many resources out there and, mm-hmm. um, just the, the camaraderie and fellowship that you find with other autism parents that are walking this walk, um, is huge. Um, so yes, he was diagnosed March 27th of this year. Um, and that actually was Annie's first birthday. Um, so that was a emotional day (laughs) to say the least. You know, what's Um, so weird is that Logan was diagnosed like the, the day after my daughter's first birthday, after Liliana's first birthday, that is that, crazy. So, yeah, I know. There's always like, so every time I talk with you, there's like another similarity that we see. I know. <laughs> that, so yeah, I remember like, the, so the day before we had her birthday party and like everybody knew the next day we were going for the evaluation mm-hmm. and it was just like, we were so excited to be like, you know, celebrating our daughter's first birthday, but there was like, there was definitely like a heaviness that I know I was feeling. Um, yes. And I think that like everyone else like close to me was feeling that too for sure so I, I know the, the weight of that for yeah. first hand. <laughs> it's it's kind of just laced with this uncertainty and apprehension for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah so he was diagnosed March 27th and um they made you know a couple different suggestions as far as therapy and stuff um he, we saw strong progress with the therapy that we were doing. Um, so we elected to increase those hours before introducing other types of therapy like ABA. Um, cause we had heard both good things and things that were, uh, you know, concerning. Um, yeah, totally. I think, yeah, I think that it is a tremendous therapy, um, and obviously is helping so many kids. Um, since we were seeing strong progress, we decided to, um, increase Jamie's hours in OT and speech. Um, since those, he is such a relationship kid and those relationships were already built. Um, so, so he started going five days a week to OT and, um, like two, three days for speech and thank God for good insurance. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. He, uh, and he, we saw really great progress. And then over the summer, he did like a social camp uh, at his therapy um, clinic. And that was great, too. Um, he was evaluated for the school district program because he, um, at the time that he was identified, he was kind of like aging out of what would be considered for early intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he didn't have his diagnosis in time to actually qualify for early intervention. Um, so we, uh, went straight to the school district, um, and his birthday is the end of April. So they weren't able to finish testing by the end of the school year. So then, um, they take a break over the summer and, um, start again in the fall. So they finished his evaluation in August. He qualified and had his IEP in October, and then he got started in October, um, Mm -hmm. with, a self-contained um special ed program um in our local school district um and he's really only been in for mm, like three weeks um and the 
poor kid is sick all the time. So he's in and out. Um, but we are, um, like uh, cautiously very excited about it. (laughs) Um, you know, change is hard. Uh, and, um, I think every time we put, you know, our, our special kiddos in, in new programs, it takes a while to kind of see what that is really going to oh, look like. Well, and every yeah. year, cause like this year, Logan was starting, you know, technically first grade, but it was the same classroom, the same teacher, mainly mm-hmm. the same classmates. So I was like, okay, he's going to just ease right back in this year. And every year it honestly takes like until about this time, like Thanksgiving for him to sort of hit his stride. And I, I don't know why I always seem to forget that because it was just the same thing again this year where it was like the first couple of months are just regardless of it being, you know, a similar situation and things that he's used to, it's just getting things kind of back on track from summer. It just, it takes time. It doesn't matter whether it's brand new or just, you know, ha- like when there's a break from something, it just takes time to adjust. It does. Yeah. And I think, I do. I totally agree. We, I think we forget each year (laughs) that it does take time. And then we're like, well, what's going on? What, you know, we start catastrophizing kind of trying to figure out what changed and what is going on and why are they regressing? And um, I, I definitely go there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We were really fortunate this year. Um, So we had another big shift. Um, I, um, had gone back to grad school when Jamie was a baby shortly after he was born um, because I decided I wanted to stay home. Uh, and then I um, wanted to like gain some extra skills in case I wanted to like reenter the workforce once he was approaching school age. Um, and I got my master's in accounting. So I graduated in May and um, I, um, was starting back at work in September. Um, so I was so nervous about Jamie being in full-time daycare and whether we were making the right decision. And the plan, this plan was, um, you know, we made this long before we would ever know that Jamie would have autism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we, I remember us talking about it and processing. I remember you messaging me. Like, yeah, who do you know that, that works full-time <laughs> and has a yeah. Like I, I work part time, but I mean, I think that yeah. like, the majority of people I talk to, I think stay home. So, I mean, like there's, I definitely talk to a lot of people who, who have, you know, are like working full-time jobs also, but I definitely, I can see where you would have felt really nervous about that from staying home and then going to work because there isn't a ton of like, okay, here's what you should do, you know? And like, every mom that I had met and kind of bonded with was a stay at home mom uh, mm-hmm. that I met like our therapy clinic or whatever that were, they were doing the same things we were doing. And part of that is like the timing. Cause we could go to therapy in the middle of the day. Um, yeah. uh, whereas now like I do meet working parents that are living this life um, mm-hmm. because we're going in the evening or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yes, it was a huge shift. And I just feel like um, there we have been guided every step of this way because um, Jamie's preschool teacher, who was pretty influential in helping me identify what was going on, um, actually uh, has a son on the spectrum. 
And so she, this is like a mainstream regular preschool slash daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she, he, last year he went for like two half days per week. Um, and it wasn't until about three months in that um, they shared with me that he was like completely nonverbal at school and not engaging at all. So like when they were doing circle time, he would go play with the center activities by himself. And then when they went to the centers, he would go back to the circle and he would do all the circle time activities by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, He was just not able to interact at all in that, in that um, situation. So um, with moving to full-time daycare, that was a huge concern um, because even he did start talking at school um, after he started therapy. Um, but then over the summer, his class switched, um, and he stopped talking again and then he didn't Mm -hmm. talk all summer. Um, and, um, yeah, there was just like this big unknown of how it would go. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like a week before I was supposed to start work, um, the preschool enrollment director came to me and told me that Jamie's teacher from last year, who was so amazing and has a son on the spectrum was going to move up with Jamie and um, she would be his teacher in his full-time class. And she was so excited to get to move up with him. And that was the biggest gift, you know, because mm-hmm. he was so used to her and she was very keyed into his behavior and um, you know, why he was doing things the way he was whereas other teachers might see things as like a behavior issue she understood that it was sensory or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um, it really helped I and he did adjust um fairly well um Jamie uh kind of has what I would call um medically complex autism um all like every medical issue that you see that kind of comes with can come with autism Jamie experiences um so he last year we realized that he had a dairy intolerance we kind of gave it a shot eliminating dairy to see what would happen because he was having some GI issues too and um it really helped him a lot Mm -hmm. uh and then about a month after he was um, diagnosed with autism, he, um, experienced a life-threatening seizure that, um, sent him into respiratory failure and he was hospitalized in the PICU, um, intubated on a ventilator, um, for a couple days. Uh, And that was right after he was diagnosed. He'd never had a seizure up until then. Yes. Um, we have a family history of, um, epilepsy. My little brother is epileptic and, um, I had like childhood seizures, but was Mm -hmm. not, they were not epileptic. Um, but, uh, he had never, there had never been any indication that he had epilepsy or seizures of any kind prior to this. Um, I was home with both kids and, uh, he just, he woke up shaky and, um, something was just different. Uh, and I was holding him and trying not to overreact. Um, and then he had like a very long seizure. Um, and I had to call an ambulance to come, 
Um, and when they got there, they administered the emergency med, but his oxygen saturation was like in the 50s, um, which is extremely low. Um, yeah. I know they start they start being concerned if it's below 92. So um, this was very severe and he was transported via ambulance to our local children's hospital. Um, and uh, we were led to believe since this was his first seizure, he wouldn't be diagnosed with epilepsy, but then they saw something on the EEG and um, he actually was diagnosed with epilepsy right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has all been an interesting journey to navigate in conjunction with his autism because I have found that concerns related to the epilepsy at times are just written off as being part of his autism. Um, and that for me, that was a huge concern. Um, and we actually switched doctors (laughs) because it wasn't okay with me, you know, um, Mm -hmm. for, for our concerns not to be addressed. Um, and then it was, um, it was amazing. We actually, we took Jamie to a different children's hospital. Um, we live in Kansas city and we took him to St. Louis, which, um, has St. Louis Children's Hospital has an amazing neurology program. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, his new neurologist who specializes in epilepsy actually shared with me that what he was, um, what they were seeing on the EEG um, is typically indicative of like a structural difference in the brain, um, mm-hmm. which nobody Makes- at our old hospital had ever shared with me. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a huge, a huge thing to omit. Um, and, and maybe, you know, related to why Jamie has autism uh, as well. Which, um, that I was like, well, that makes sense. I mean, that would all yes. correlate mm-hmm. together. Yes. Um, so, um, but long story short, as we found out about the epilepsy and started him on seizure medicine, we saw his functioning improve. Um, initially with the medicine he's on, there's kind of this like rage, uh, that can happen. Uh, um, yes, it's Kepra. It's, um, pretty, pretty common for kids to experience that. And, um, Jamie started headbanging and was just so frustrated all the time. Um, so uh, we're initially really concerned, but um, he uh, acclimated to it and is doing really well on it now. Um, and now he still continues to have seizures, but they are much more controlled. They're not affecting his breathing. Um, and they typically you know, only happen like when he gets, there's some kind of explainable trigger for them. He gets sick or, um, something like that. He misses a medicine dose or something. Um, so we're really thankful that we've been able to, um, control them largely. Um, uh, so then, um, that happened in May. Um, and then over the summer, we were just kind of preparing for me to return to work full time. And then um, about two weeks um, 
well, over the summer, we finally did a sleep study for Jamie because I had been putting it off. It was kind of identified that his tonsils were enlarged and that he might be having issues with sleep apnea um, like a year prior. But with all of the issues Jamie was experiencing, I couldn't imagine him being successful in a sleep study. I had been through one with my daughter um, and I knew that they put wires all over them and um, it takes like an hour to set up with uh, putting all of gluing all of these wires to them. And Jamie does have a lot of tactile and sensory issues. So I just didn't know how he would be successful. Um, mm-hmm. But after he experienced the seizure and went through all of that unexpectedly, uh, I kind of seen that he, you know, he could do it. Um, mm-hmm. So we went through the sleep study and found that he was having um, he was having pretty. Uh, intense sleep apnea during his REM cycle. So um, it made sense that that might be affecting him. And um, so I found out about two weeks before I went back to work that Jamie was going to need his tonsils out um, and that he would need to be home from therapy and daycare and school for two weeks following the procedure. (laughs) Um, So uh, we, we went through that and Um, it has been amazing to see, um, the response that he's had to that improved sleep. Um, Jamie had largely been like very affectionate as a baby and engaged. And then, um, when we saw his language regress, we also saw just him retreat completely from, um, social interactions and he stopped wanting um, any affection from me in particular, um, and didn't want to engage in that way. Um, and basically right away after his surgery, his recent surgery, he, um, just became very affectionate with me and he wanted to be around me and he wanted me to play with him and he wanted to give hugs and he wanted, he told me he loved me over um and that that has probably been the most incredible part of this journey to um just it it felt like I got my baby back you know yeah that's so amazing that like just having his tonsils taken out because it doesn't seem like those things would be correlated I know it's so crazy how it's like one thing leads to another leads to another leads to another but then it's like yeah sometimes it's like okay you're you're doing this to fix one problem but it, it ends up like being the solution for so many things yes it has been amazing um and Jamie does still struggle daily with um you know so many things that our kids struggle with uh he has very strong anxiety he has sensory issues. He still has language differences and he still is very uh, socially isolated, like at, in his classroom and things like that. But um, within our family to see that transformation has been so encouraging and has given me yeah. so much hope about um, where he's going. Um, so I think. I'm so happy uh, for you, you, especially just like you said with him being, more affectionate and telling you he loves you because I know 
like as a mother, those are the things that keep you going. Like you're happy for, you know, all the progress, like academically or socially, but those like special kind of moments where you feel that connection with your child, those mean more than anything. They do. Um, And it, that was like a really dark part of the past year was that feeling of separation. Um, And um, it is, it is just amazing to, to have that back. It feels like such Mm -hmm. a gift. Um, Yeah. So uh, that has been amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. But one thing that I really was really important to me to share uh, coming on the pod was, um, just that I waited on this surgery for over a year because I was concerned that with his developmental, um, concerns and social and sensory concerns that he wouldn't be successful going through this procedure and the testing that was required prior to it. Um, and just if there is something that, um, you know, a doctor has recommended or there's a medical issue that is kind of pending that um, you're not sure your child could be successful with um, because of their autism, I think you should go for it <laughs> um, because it's just amazing to see um, how that how one thing can impact another and um, just their quality of life can improve so much. Uh, and I think that's definitely what we've seen as we address his dairy intolerance, as we address his seizures, as we address his sleep apnea, um, just in conjunction with his therapy, we've just seen a tremendous, um, you know, improvement in his comfort in his body and how that impacts his quality of life. Well, you're definitely speaking my language because I, I'm always the one who's like just try it just go for it (laughs) because honestly sometimes it does end up being like you know an issue or there's problems but I know for for us like so often Logan just really surprises me and rises to the occasion and steps up and like you said the what you get what you gain is is worth so much more than if you continue to put it off because you just, you, you really never know like what, like we were saying, like it wasn't even like you thought that the surgery would, would lead to all this for him. And yet it has. So it's just, yeah. it, it really is. It's, it's, I'm glad you shared that. And I appreciate you, like you said, giving that advice, because I do think that it's, it is so important to just go for it. Yeah, I agree. And um, I do think that there is like, kind of a dark side <laughs> to uh all of this as well because um there has definitely been this like um recurring thought that flutters through my mind every time we do one of these interventions <laughs> uh, where I'm like well maybe that was it maybe he doesn't have autism maybe he yeah. just needed better sleep maybe you know, his GI issues were just so bothersome that he couldn't engage, you know, if your tummy hurts. Um, and just each time I, and I know better because I've already done it several times. (laughs) Um, but just, uh, to, to kind of start to have this hope and then, um, re-accept that, um, 
this is still a part of their life because you kind of you get to this point where you're like this is a part of who my child is and he is beautiful he or she is beautiful and um you know has all of these special gifts and I wouldn't change anything about them you know Mm -hmm. um and then this thing happens and you see this dramatic change and you're like oh, maybe it's God. <laughs> and then you reacclimate to being in that place. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a process. I found it's a really iterative process of acceptance and grief. Um, but I was talking about this with another autism mom who her, her son is a little bit older now and he's like entering puberty. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, was I don't just even want to go there. Yeah, <laughs> Can right. we just skip puberty? <laughs> We just keep them little. Um, But what what we were talking about was just kind of what I was saying is that there are just like layers and layers to acceptance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like you you get through one layer and you're like, oh, great. I'm done with that. I don't have to do that. (laughs) And then it's like something else comes up and you're like, oh, no, there's there's more. Like, I have to get through this now. And honestly, I think that it it really is just a process. And I think it, it gets easier and I think we come to that place of acceptance you know more quickly than we maybe did in the past because mm-hmm. like you and I were talking beforehand I mean Jamie hasn't even been diagnosed for a year yet so yeah you guys are still you know relatively early on in this journey as am I we're going on year three it's like th- this we have a lifetime to go here yes so <laughs> I feel like you you probably will get to that point where you're not you know every time there's there's something mm-hmm thinking like oh it's gone now but at the same time like you probably you still that's not to say that like you've you've reached acceptance because it's like right. I, I that I think it's just a process and it's kind of like ongoing and you you know you process one thing and then as they get older there's new things to process so it's just like it is it is kind of ongoing but I don't want to make that sound bad because I do think that it, it does get easier as time goes on because you just yeah. kind of learn more about like what how how you're feeling about things and how you can kind of get through things and, and deal with them. Mm-hmm. But it's a journey for sure. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, <laughs> it, it has, uh, it's definitely changed just how I look at everything. Um, yeah. we, um, my husband and I went on a date to, uh, the Alamo draft house. I don't know if they have that in Chicago. I know it's a chain, so it's in a few different Mm, places. I don't think so. Um, okay. So they, uh, they show regular movies, but they also show like old movies and do like quote alongs. Uh, so they have props that they give you and people, uh, will just like quote along with the movie or whatever. So this was a Christmas party, um, for, and it was the movie Elf. Um, and I first saw that when I was like, at you know, 15 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and now seeing it, there are so many pieces to that movie, uh, that you view totally differently as a special needs parent. Cause I did yeah. not see that like subplot at all. When I watched it the first time, I was like, Oh, he thought he was an elf. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the way people respond to him, um, it's very similar to how a lot of individuals on the spectrum, um, are, are treated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And um, it was, I mean, it was totally different to see it. And that's just one example of, um, you know, how much it changes your worldview to, to, to live this life. Um, it totally. There's always like a song that I'll hear mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it has a totally new meaning to me. That happens all the time. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> like you just, you take like, it, and it could be something that you like, like Alf where it's like, you've seen it a million times and all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. Like this reminds me, like you can just relate it back. And yeah. it's, it, I, I know exactly what you mean with, with things like that. But it honestly, I was just telling that somebody else too, like it, it really is. It's something that I'm not trying to like glamorize it. Cause it's so, it's really tough. There are really tough times, but mm-hmm there it, it really has taught me to see like the beauty in things that I would not have before and it's lessons that like I didn't know I needed to learn but like I'm a better person because I have learned them and just being able to kind of bear witness to my son and all these incredible children and adults on the spectrum it's it really is such a gift Yes, I agree. Um, it it's definitely changed the way I see everything. And I used, you know, I used to be a teacher, and at this point, I like look back and like cringe at how ignorant I was <laughs> about some of these these things that I was dealing with. Um, yeah, but- my mom, preschool teacher, and she always says that like she's like I used to think. I would be like, oh, this kid is just like a brat or, you know, they just, yeah. they're just acting out. And she's like, now I think like, well, what if there's a sensory issue going on? What if they're maybe on the spectrum? And it, cause it's changed her perspective too. And I, I think especially for a teacher, that would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it has been interesting. Um, it's a lot of the time, it's mostly just amazing to see um, yeah. the unique gifts that our kids have. Uh, in like um in terms of some of some of the individuals on the spectrum and their like unique learning abilities um Jamie like when he was two he just randomly taught himself to count to like 250 and oh my gosh. <laughs> I like he yeah. just he just started counting and it was really like a coping thing but he just kept going mm-hmm. yeah and, I I have no idea how he you know how he learned that I certainly didn't he teach him. has like savant skills it sounds like yeah yeah so um because that really yeah it is it's really interesting to like how his brain works um because yeah. it uh he also has these um like directional directional abilities uh, mm-hmm. like geography. Um, so I didn't really start paying attention to like the route you take to drive places until I started driving, like when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And now I'm still not great at directions, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I get lost all the time. Uh, but if I drive a different way to get somewhere, he will get very upset and he will like mm-hmm. scream at me from the backseat that I'm going the wrong way mm-hmm. um, because he has all of the routes memorized. So when he was, uh, it was a little bit earlier on, he would, we would be driving somewhere and then he would just say something like one more when we were stopped at a stoplight and he would mean like one more light, mm-hmm. um, just in it, like almost creeped you out. You know? Yeah. 
it's like it's it's mind blowing the things that they're paying attention to that like you said like yeah like a typical child would would not even be it wouldn't be on their radar yes um so he does have these like really unique abilities and i think the question that is so like out in the universe for me is like how they will come together and whether they'll be in a functional way um and you know about his ability to um since he does struggle so much socially uh and Mm -hmm. with his anxiety whether he'll be able to like um you know use those incredible skills in in a way where he'll gain independence um but you know he's three and a half so that's a long ways off but I think we do just think about it you know um so yeah well I can't wait to see what happens how he uses these skills also because it just uh it's it sounds like he he really is gifted so yeah I need to see what future will hold I do think that it's kind of like a twice exceptional situation uh like we initially thought he was gifted and I think it's yes and yes you know it's yes it's autism and yes he has some unique gifts. oh yeah yeah no I, I totally, um, I totally yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I'm thankful that his um therapists see it and nurture it um you know they use these fascinations he has in functional ways to further areas that are weaker um but then um I was really just thrilled um when I spoke with his new teacher um in the special ed program he's in and she shared with me that there were other children in the class that were reading um, and um, that they were not going to, um, you know, if he was ready for new content, they weren't going to hold him back. They were mm-hmm. just going to keep pushing. So like in his little self-contained class, they're like pulling reading groups with these kids that um, are on the spectrum and have some um, like hyperlexia going mm-hmm. on. So they are doing this early reading. Um, so That's it was wonderful. it was amazing to hear that, um, you know, they would provide the support he needed and also nurture these gifts that um, were were emerging. So, yeah, we're really thankful for amazing people in the right place at the right time guiding us on this journey. Well, it sounds like you guys, like you said, you have people in your corner and you're you're thriving, which is all we can hope for. Yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to get a few years down the road. Uh, but some of my favorite episodes of the podcast have just been like regular moms (laughs) that are in the thick of it. Uh, you know, (laughs) walking this walk and, uh, just feeling so, um, you know, identifying so strongly with the journey that they're on. Um, because yeah. I really want to get to the place where I'm really thriving but right now I'm just kind of surviving uh, oh. so like uh, same you know yeah yes I agree <laughs> like I'm, I'm I'm thriving just wonderfully oh, me too. <laughs> am I alive still like what's going on yeah, yeah that's, yes that's, that's like part of the whole journey For um sure. I appreciate you saying that though because yeah I do I do think that it's it, I mean it's it's there it's every day you know then there it it changes every day it's it's up and down for sure um 
I love, I love hearing everyone's stories. I, we, you and I were talking about this beforehand, but I just think, you know, having, having these conversations with people who are just like on the same wavelength um, has just like, I, I get as much out of it as people listening because, you know, you can explain, you can talk about these situations with people in your life who are very supportive and loving and understanding, but unless they have a child in the spectrum, it's like, they just don't really get it. And you're having to kind of like explain every little thing. And a lot of times, like, as I'm explaining these things, I'm like, this is exhausting. Cause it's like, you Uh know, it's better. Can I just exit out of this conversation right now? (laughs) Yes. People that I really care about. So it's like, it's not like I'm like, I don't Mm -hmm. want to, but it's just, it's just hard because I, I like, you know, I I only have so much energy. Yes. (laughs) Like this is really taking a lot of my energy to explain this to you. Whereas like I could have the same conversation with you or another autism parent and it's like, they just get it, you know? Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, And I, I think that's hard too sometimes with parents who have typically developing children that are the same age as our kids and things um, where we are kind of trying to explain where we're at uh, and um, they they try to normalize it um, by saying that yeah. their child also experiences that but mm-hmm. like we know it's different <laughs> yeah and it's um, nice and like you said yes. normalize you feel like oh all kids do that like when Logan was having his, his potty training regression earlier this year mm-hmm. uh, one of my friends who her her son had just started school she was like oh my gosh he he had like two accidents last week too and I want to be like okay thanks but like this is not on the same level <laughs> like you don't yes. know what I'm talking about but at the same time it's like when someone's trying to be like loving and supportive you don't want to like push them away because I know I, I don't think I do now but I I definitely did that like in the beginning of our journey or even before Logan was diagnosed Mm-hmm. Um, I think I push people away as like self-preservation because I, I was having a hard time facing things myself and then knowing mm-hmm. that other people were going to be seeing these things as well was just like too much for me to take. So I'm very conscious of it now and, and not wanting to push people away and just, you know, being open and, and letting, letting everyone in, but it's hard sometimes for sure. It is. Yeah. Um, I experienced the same thing. Uh, and like even my best friend, initially, I didn't talk about it very much that we were kind of starting this process. Um, but my best friend uh, knew what was going on. And um, for a while, it felt like our, our kids were just sick at opposite times. So we never saw each other. But then I realized at some point, I had she knew that I had these concerns and I was afraid of her validating them. Uh, So I like avoided being around her (laughs) with Mm -hmm. Jamie for a little while because I wasn't ready for it. Um, But now um, it actually is interesting through Annie's prematurity and then subsequent medical issues. I was kind of exposed to like the special needs and medical needs world and therapy world um, before Jamie even um, became a part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I had built-in support system and it wasn't, they weren't autism parents, but they had experienced, um, they'd already 
experienced that where there was something going on with their child and it wasn't all bright and rosy. Um, yeah. And they kind of had already had that balloon popped. So they were more attuned and realistic and um, like empathetic towards mm-hmm. what we were going through. Um, so I've, I've really been amazed uh, just along the way how different things have fallen into place um, that have kind of provided that support. Um, I think that Annie's journey, like I, I, as I was thinking about how we would, sh- I would share Jamie's journey. Like I couldn't share it without Annie. Cause I know that, um, I know that that NICU and separation and all of that, uh, had a, had a piece in Jamie's journey. Um, and, mm-hmm. Um, like what the clinical psychologist shared was that like, um, he had enough skills to function at a certain level until the social and emotional, um, situations he was in were too dramatic for him. Um, so I think that that was the beginning of that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, when you were saying that it's funny because Logan, after we had Liliana was um, up until that point, like he had been in speech and OT and it wasn't, it definitely was like on our radar that we were thinking, okay, that like maybe this could be autism, but -hmm. it wasn't until we had Liliana that it was like a lot of these concerning behaviors started to emerge. Cause up until Mm -hmm. that point, it really seemed to just be like a speech issue with him and yes. uh, like a little bit with OT, he would, he was a little stimmy, like he would kind of flap and didn't have great eye contact. But I remember like after I had Liliana, he would, he, he was, he always liked to like jump like on a trampoline or just kind of like bounce around. But mm-hmm. it was like, he was just like hopping through the house, like an energizer bunny. Like he just never stopped jumping and hopping. It was just like needing that constant input or he would run as fast as he could and yeah. like slam himself into a wall just to like feel that input. And it was terrifying for me as his mom. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to hurt himself. Yeah. But, and, and I was already like on such high cause Liliana was colicky. And like, uh-huh. when I say, colicky, I mean to like the extreme, like yes. it was a, yes. so I wonder poor Logan was like overload all the time. <laughs> right. Speaker. So for him, it wasn't like he, like when, when she would cry, which was always he, it wasn't like he was, necessarily upset by that but it just it amped him up more and it Mm -hmm. was his energy was just through the roof and that like you said that was kind of when you started to notice these things with Jamie that was sort of what really like pushed us because we ended up I think it was just um like a couple months after we had her that we got on the wait list to with the developmental Mm -hmm. depression even though he had been in an EI and stuff at the time but it was like we kind of knew like okay this is like yeah we're the I want to say the shit is hit the fan <laughs> yes yes for like, sure because that was sort of like up until that point I'm like okay we can I feel like we could contain this and like kind of mm-hmm. keep things under wraps but then it was like after we had the baby and like just everything in our like our, our whole life was chaos that yeah went along with it yeah yeah and I, I think part of it is probably that you know they have you know, that the babies are crying and it's either irritating them or amping them up or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think also part of it is that they had us like fully anticipating all of their needs. And 
constantly responding to them and providing them the support they needed. And then all of a sudden our attention was split. Um, Mm -hmm. And instead of um, me constantly working one-on-one with Jamie, which is what was happening before, like I, I am definitely aware that like um, before Annie was born and these concerns emerged, Jamie was getting a lot of like, um, very explicit instruction from me um, just because well, I was a teacher and that's yeah. kind of my natural yes that's mm-hmm. my natural interaction mm-hmm. um, so now looking back I see that he um, like some of the skills he has is because I did directly teach him those things mm-hmm. um, but there were things also I think when we have a second child we see the things that weren't happening um, oh, that should cool. not happening like you've talked about how Logan didn't point the way that Liliana did to communicate and express wants and needs. And that is totally true for Jamie too. Um, Like he pointed in books, like he would, um, if we were naming things, he would point to them. So then when people asked us if he pointed, we were like, yeah, he points Mm -hmm. to books. Um, And, uh, but yeah, I think um, once you have a second child, if they are typically developing ish, uh, then you see the difference there um, and you kind of see what what um, would have been kind of like an alarm bell if you had known to look for it more. Yeah, that was definitely like the most eye-opening thing for us was because like I said, when, when Logan was diagnosed, Juliana had just turned one and mm-hmm. even though he was, you know, four, it was like her at, at one, she was already like developmentally further ahead than him and yeah so that was like really eye-opening for us and then now you know he's gonna be seven and we have another one-year-old who is again developmentally further in many areas so it's like that Mm -hmm. is it's I mean it's not like none of these things were surprising to us but to to have such like a a direct kind of tangible example of it yeah yeah, these things is is it's it's eye-opening for sure it really is it is um Um, Katie, I feel like we yeah. could just like continue talking, but <laughs> to wrap things up. Well, you'll have to come back on for a part two because we have more to talk yeah. about. But that thank you good. so much for for sharing everything and for just being so honest and open. Um, like I said before, I can't wait to see what the huge future holds for Jamie because I I know it is very bright. Um, you. And you share a lot on on your Instagram. Will you tell people where they yes. can connect with you if they want to find you? Yes, my Instagram is this exceptional life, uh, just written out the way it sounds. Um, and I'm on there um, pretty frequently since I've gone back to work. I've been posting less, but I'm hoping that I'll get to a place where I can, you know, um, be there, be more present there. Um, but I would love to connect with anybody that um, wants to chat or, um, ha- you know, identifies with anything that I have uh, shared today um, but I'm always open and eager to to connect yeah well thank you so much for coming on today and for I, like I said you and I have been been talking for a while I don't, I don't think that will change because I, I really appreciate <laughs> just all your support and you're always such a wonderful sounding board <laughs> oh, I I mean, I would love to stay 
<laughs> stay connected. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I know Logan. Uh, and <laughs> it's like, that's a little creepy, but um, I <laughs> love uh, to oh, hear updates and um, just, I see a lot of, um, you know, I know there are differences, but I also see a lot of similarities. And I think this anxiety struggle is something that we share. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm eager to, to see everything that unfolds for Logan. I know that, I know that he is um, making great progress uh, and that it's a, it's a process, but can't wait <laughs> to see where he's going. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, thank you. Thank you so much again. And yeah, maybe we'll do a part two at some point. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, you take care. All right, you too. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Katie. Isn't she just such a sweetheart? <laughs> she really is so genuine and sincere, which I admire that so much and appreciate that so much in other people. So definitely check her out on Instagram. See her adorable kids. They are so cute. And she shares, just like today, very heartfelt and honest posts that I love to keep up with. So check her out. And if you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love to hear from you guys. I love getting messages. I love getting feedback about the show, hearing that you enjoy it or have questions, all that good stuff. Uh, And again, if you are enjoying the show and you would be so kind to take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast, I would appreciate that so very much. Also, I have been a busy little bee recording over these past couple weeks. I am doing so many amazing interviews. I can't wait for you guys to hear them. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, please contact me. I would love to hear from you. Just shoot me an email and we can get the ball rolling. So again, thank you so, so much for listening. And until next time, take care.